This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. This is Katie Price with Duke Energy. Duke Energy is the largest electric utility in Indiana, serving 69 of the state's 92 counties and providing power for more than 890,000 customers. We are passionate about being a partner in economic development. That's why the nation's top site selectors, real estate brokers, economic developers, and companies have seen us as a trusted advisor for years. We have proudly been recognized as a top utility in economic development by Site Selection Magazine for 18 years and running. We understand that energy can be one of the most significant decisions around where a company locates. That's why it's important that you bring us into the conversation early so we can help find the best rates, renewable solutions, and incentives available for your competitive project. At Duke Energy, we are committed to economic growth in the communities we serve, and we look forward to working with you. Duke Energy is a proud sponsor of this IEDA podcast. To learn more, visit duke-energy.com. Thank you for listening. Starting and growing a business can be challenging for anyone, but women and minorities may face some unique challenges. In the South Bend, Elkhart region, a unique program called Hustle SBE has been working for a number of years to address some of the unique challenges faced by these entrepreneurs and to help them flourish and grow in the region. With me on this podcast is Bethany Hartley, President and CEO of the South Bend Elkhart Regional Partnership, and Bethany is going to walk us through some of the unique aspects of the Hustle SBE program. So, Bethany, thank you for being with me today. Thank you for having me. Sure. I'm pleased that you're here. Uh, so let's start by just having you describe a little bit about the South Bend Elkhart Regional Partnership. Let's place a little context here, uh, your mission and the geographical footprint and anything else you want to share about the partnership. Wonderful. So the South Bend Elkhart Regional Partnership covers a five-county area, uh, three counties in Indiana, which are Marshall, St. Joe, and Elkhart, and then two in Michigan, Berrien and Cass. And we are focused on improving the economic prosperity for all of our regional residents. And when we when we talk about it, we think about how might we support the people that live here? How might we attract more folks to move here? as well as how do we grow more of our new economy businesses in this region and support through the workforce activities that we focus on, um, those new, new economies and new startups and entrepreneurs. We really serve as a single point of contact for the South Bend Elkhart region when it comes to business attraction and expansions. And we go out across the country telling the, the good stories of this region. And our North Star is really per capita personal income. And there's much more behind all of that, but I know we'll dig into one of our specific programs, but really focus on a a people-centric economic development strategy and really trying to make this a place everybody's proud to call home. Well, there's been a lot of progress, I think, in your region over the last few years, and it's always fun to come up there and see all of the things that all of the growth and just all of the excitement that's going on. So congratulations to all of you for what you've been able to do and are continuing to be able to do. So we're talking about one specific aspect of that, and you touched on a lot of things, but we're going to drill down on one thing. 
And it seems to me that that when you look around the South Bend Elkhart region, that there are a number of activities that are there to support entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial activity. But what was the impetus behind starting the Hustle SBE program? Uh, what was the need that you that you'd identified that got this started? You are correct in saying that we have a lot of entrepreneurial support organizations in this region. It typically ranges between 10 to 20, depending on how you define it and how you define ESOs. But what we recognize as a region is there were no cohort-based models for people already in business. So we have great programming for, if you have an idea, we have well, ironically, the Idea Center or any of our Small Business Development Center, the Women's Entrepreneurship Initiative, there are a myriad of programs that are run around, if I have an idea or I'm pre-revenue, and those are accessible to all. Um, with this program, we thought about how might we eliminate the racial wealth divide, which is one of our goals with our DEI committee. And a huge part of that is business ownership. That is how you can create gener generational wealth, and that is how you can improve your economic sta status faster than any other way. And so we wanted to lean into business ownership uh, with the DEI committee work at the partnership. And in my previous roles over in Chicago, I worked at a women's business development center and found great success with this cohort model that peer-to-peer -peer learning is so important, the network building is so important, and brought some of that over here uh, to South Bend Elkhart. And so with our, with our program, yes, we have our own program, but we work with all the ESOs. They come in to speak at the program. We support sending our graduates into work with the SVDC and some of those other programs, recognizing you're not gonna find everything at one place. So that's how it came to be in 2019. And we have modified as we've gone through the years in response to the needs of our entrepreneurs. So I'm going to back up for a minute. You said ESOs, Entrepreneurial Support Organizations, right? Yes. Okay, sorry. I had to translate as I as I heard that. So, and then how long has, it, has the program been operating? So we um, are on four years now, and it has run six cohorts across those four years. And uh, we have graduated 56 graduates to date. Okay, so when I look at the information about Hustle SBE, you talk about the the idea of a of it being a business boot camp. Mm -hmm. So, what's the significance of calling it that, and what does that mean? So, we think of it as a boot camp. There are a lot of jargon terms in entrepreneurship. If you, I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of them. There's accelerators, incubators, startup generators, so on and so forth. Well, we thought about what are we really doing in this model? And it really is equipping entrepreneurs with resources and connections uh, to advance their business. So when I think of a boot camp, I think of it's a finite amount of time. It's kind of painful when you're in it, but once you get out of it, you are better equipped to do what you need to do. And so that is how we look at this boot camp is we're gonna we're gonna point out some of the challenges you have that you may not want to address. We're going to equip you with the resources and, and kind of flex the muscle of what does it look like to ask for help generally? And what does it look like to work with someone outside of your business on your business? Um, and then at the end of that, we look at how might we connect those individuals, whether it's to 
their own supplier base or to resources like tech sources such as QuickBooks, sort of those operational pieces. And then, you know, this community, similar to other communities, is a very close-knit group of folks and giving access to the individuals that could be potential customers is a big piece of this work as well. So that's kind of why we call it a boot camp, and it seems to be landing well so far. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk a little bit then about the structure of the program and what actually happens, or at least let's talk about, um, again, how it's set up, and then then we can talk about content, I think. And you've touched upon this, but just to reiterate then, who can apply uh, to, to be a part of this? So applicants must be based, their business must be based in our region. So the five counties I mentioned, and they must be at least two years in business and have an EIN. um, So registered with the state of Indiana. And we are primarily focused on female and minority owned businesses that go through our program. So then uh, how... I don't I don't know if I saw this on on your website or not but how are the applicants evaluated and who does the evaluation how do you determine who gets in Yeah so we look at a number of things when I say we there's a small committee that we work with that are either previous business owners or our fellow ESOs so they have an understanding of based on what the applicants give us what what is the real situation uh with their with their business and so it is an online application we ask for information around revenues in the previous calendar year, expected revenues in the current year, number of employees, where they think they need their most help. So there's a Likert scale of asking, how much do you understand this topic, whether that's business finances, marketing, et cetera. If all of those are off the chart and they're like, I am proficient at everything, they're probably not a good fit for our program. And so sometimes we'll go back and ask, did you mean to do that? Because what are you hoping to learn if you already know everything? <laughs> so we, we go back and forth a little with applicants. Um, we also look at, have they gone through one of our other programs in the region? I mentioned a few of those. If they have gone through them, why are they pursuing another one? What are they hoping to gain from this one different from the others? And typically in those conversations, we're able to say, you know what, you may not learn anything new here. And and you may be seeking more of a networking activity, which will put you on our email list and you'll be invited to our activities. So it's a it's a small committee of evaluators. And then we notify um, those that have been accepted via email. And within a couple of weeks, then we get started with the program. It is eight weeks. We When we started the program pre-COVID, we had a very different structure and COVID honestly forced us to pivot a bit. We were doing one full day a month for six months. And with COVID, it became, we're going to take it online and it's going to be more of a sprint model. And so that kind of shifted to a six weeks, twice a week. Now we've landed at eight weeks in person, three hours a week, plus any homework or follow on activities And then we conclude with a big graduation celebration where we invite stakeholders to join us for that. So I'm trying to think about what you said in terms of the application process and the evaluation. So it sounds as though there has to be a sweet spot somewhere Mm -hmm. where you're looking at the viability of the business. So they've got to be viable and have been in place two years. But if they're already sort of at a very 
high level of success, then you're looking and saying, well, maybe there isn't anything for you to gain. So am I getting a sense that, again, it's viable, but still has some some challenges and some some learning opportunities that are apparent about the the entrepreneur and the business so that it's you you need to be okay but not too okay is that is that fair i think relatively fair yes i think um, <laughs> we're looking at in our application that coachability yeah, and, okay. and and I'll, we do ask about what is their vision for the future of their business so thinking about do they have that vision? Because we tend to find in the program, we have what we call micro entrepreneurs. So it may be one to one and a half people working there. And the one is typically the owner that's in the business, on the business, all those things. And so we are looking at how might we support you growing in the way you want to grow. And so we find that um, it's not a matter of like, is this a, a profound company that we know is going to generate a million plus dollars in revenue? That's not really the criteria. It is, do you have the, the hustle to want to pursue something more for your business? And have you laid a good foundation and you are, are you recognize after two years, these are the things I'm missing in my business. And that's what we're kind of looking for is how might we help you with what's missing? Well, and I think, uh, and I'm glad you made that distinction because I think many times when when uh, people th hear the term entrepreneur or entrepreneurship, they're thinking about you know these larger tech companies that started mm -hmm. small, but now they're you know they're a big tech company doing you know that kind of stuff. And it can be someone who is meeting a need within the community and who has found sort of that niche and has found a place where they can grow. And oftentimes those folks kind of get left out of that conversation mm -hmm. about entrepreneurship because we make it may define it a little too narrowly in some spheres as being only about technology and being companies that, you know, are looking to grow into some sort of a, a mega enterprise. That is a very common misconception. And we at the regional partnership, so with our Startup South and Elkhart branded initiative, which is focused on entrepreneurship, that is looking more at those innovation-driven companies. And we know that those also look at places to relocate or to start up when there's a vibrant quality of place. So a lot of our Hustle SBE businesses are creating that quality of place, mm -hmm. whether it's a bookstore or a caterer or whatever it may be. It's an ecosystem, right? You right. can't have a thousand tech startups and no restaurants. <laughs> They're not going to stay. They're not going right. to come. That's good. So, yeah. 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 I like that. I mean, I think that's very, uh, I've, I've not heard it described that way, but that's very helpful. I like that. And uh, there is a cost to the participants. Mm -hmm. Explain that because it's, it's a kind of a, not a two tier model, but there's the cost to them. Yes. Yeah, so we um, charge our accepted app. So there's no application fee by any means. It's once you're in, we charge a $50 non-refundable fee. And we do that for a few reasons. One, there's just the, being completely candid. If something's free, people may not put any value into it. And that converts into you're going to sign up and you're going to drop. And so we want to avoid that because we do have enough applicants that we are saying no to folks. And so we want to be certain those that we're accepting 
are going to do the program. So it's a little little bit of that edge in the game and having some some teeth in this to want to pursue. And we're able to do that at that rate because of our, our the way our organization is set up as a, an, a, an alliance of volunteers, essentially an alliance of funders. And so they are supporting programs like this. And so we're able to offset all those expenses through the generosity of our donors to our organization, which allows us to keep this low. We, we also want to be mindful, and we may revisit from time to time, that, again, to the point of an ecosystem, other programs have fees associated with them, and we don't want to take away from revenue generation for those programs. And so we have to be cognizant. We talk about this a lot with events, too. We try to be comparative because if we keep offering everything for free, that will pull from our partners, which isn't healthy for the ecosystem. Okay, that's good. That's helpful as well. Mm-hmm. So so let's dig into what happens during those eight sessions, uh, because I think, you know, that's really the substance of what this is all about. And so talk about how those sessions are structured, but then also then let's get into a little bit of sort of what is the content and, and how did you get to that content structure? Yeah. Yeah, so each session, as mentioned, is about three hours in length. And primarily, we do have a facilitator that runs all eight of the sessions, which is a local entrepreneur here in the region. And she will curate who is going to come speak to the class. And so we have a lot of guest speakers. And so as examples, they start off with a lot of work around who are they as an entrepreneur? Who is that? Who are who am I that I was running the business? So she works with him on StrengthsFinder and digs into some of that work. And then going into what are the needs of the group? And again, we do ask this on the application. So she may tweak it session or cohort to cohort. Generally speaking, when you go into the program, you're going to hear from someone about hiring. This tends to be our biggest need is I'm going to hire my first employee. How do I do that? What's the right way? Should they be contract as opposed to full-time? Do I offer benefits? So on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So we have someone come in that's an expert in that. Um, Then we have someone that talks about finances. So this is the biggest thing, honestly, financials. And we've been talking about this a great deal um, about the program and how we might elevate that a little bit more. So we talk about what what's a what's a PL? What's your cash flow? How are you monitoring that? Who are you working with to help you monitor that? Do you have a CPA? Do you have the right legal structure for your business? So we bring in attorneys, we bring in accountants, all those kind of folks. We bring in a banker to talk about small business lending and what that looks like, really overcoming a lot of misconceptions around debt for small businesses that all debt is not bad debt. So thinking about those growth strategies with them. We work with the business model canvas as well to look at what are my next steps with my business? Who do I need to enroll with that? So that's that's a lot of the meat of the program. And then we do bring in uh, for the last class alumni. So we have a panel of previous graduates to speak about their experience, not only in the program, but also just in general with business in this region. Uh, and we have found that is a, a well-received part of the program. So, yeah, so it's a lot of that digging in and then providing resources post-class. So whether it's an article to read or a company to follow, whatever that may be, uh, we do a lot of work with that as well. So that's in eight weeks, they go through operations, financials. There's a marketing session talking about 
social media, all the different types of marketing. It is ever changing. I say that as I downloaded a new app about social media today. And so working through some of that, and then also the technology, what, what tech do you need in your business? Because even if you're not an innovation driven business, everybody needs tech in their business and they need to understand how it works for them and not against them usually. Yeah. So that's, that's usually what they cover through those eight sessions. And then the ninth kind of session is that graduation piece. And I would think sort of my experience when I, when I was setting up small business services, when I was with the Indianapolis chamber, it was always that discussion about finance that was the hardest because when I would talk to a lot of those the, those entrepreneurs and small business people, and you would ask, well, what are your challenges? The first thing they would always say is, well, money, and that wasn't necessarily true, mm-hmm. but but that was how they were measuring sort of their challenges and their opportunities. And so, you know, how difficult is that when you really get into that conversation? How many of them say, you know, no, 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 it's not about inventory control. No, 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 it's not about, it's, I just need money. Yeah, that's a common trend. And so that is, that's the piece that we're kind of drilling into over the next six months as we look at 2024 programming is what do we need to equip them with beyond the program? And it's, it's challenging. So we are industry agnostic when it comes to the program. So you can have service providers, you can have consumer product companies coming in. So all very different models. So there isn't a space within the program, within those three hours a week to do that one-on-one coaching of let's look at your books. Let's look at what you're trying to do. Let's look at your cash flow intimately. So a lot of times what we're doing is referring them to the SBDC and they're a great partner of ours. And what we're looking at now is let's take that a step further. So we're doing some one-on-one coaching with our current graduates because we do currently give up to $1,000 at the end of the program of grant funding. So there's there's no expectation of repayment, but they do have to define how are they going to use that funding. And so as an example of some of our back and forth with that, we, we really don't want to look at rent as one of those things that we're going to use grant funding on because you're going to, have to pay grant, grant, you're going to, have to pay that rent long after this $1,000 runs out. So let's think about is there equipment or capital expenditures that will help you expand your business by purchasing them and let us help you with that. And as we look forward, we're actually exploring different funding mechanisms. So whether that's a revolving loan fund or we're not, we're in early stage discussion of this. We know the thousand dollars is helpful, but we think if we could get it a little bit higher and a little bit more practice of having a line of credit or something along those lines, that will not that will sharpen the acumen of our graduates even more so so how do you know i mean what's your what's your criteria for success how are you gauging what kind of impact you're having and you said four years and you've had five cohorts am i remembering that correctly six cohorts six cohorts sorry um uh so so how do you know if you're making a difference or not so Simple ways of, we do a pre and post survey. So we test what's your acumen when you come in, what what do you think your acumen is now that you've left the program? And and overall, we've seen a 50% increase in knowledge, understanding of basic business concepts. So that's a win for us. Uh, The other pieces we look at and we do go back year after year and inquire our revenues. So have your revenues increased? Has your profit increased? 
Has your employment increased? All of those metrics. And generally speaking, they have increased for the majority of our participants. And the, the baseline is, are you still in business? Especially those that went through a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're pleased to say that 50 of our 56 graduates are still in business. And those six, we are uncertain about. That's why we don't we can't say if they're in business or not. They may have relocated. They might have started a new business. And some of them have. So that's what we look like, look at when we think of success. And I think some of the little tangential things we see as success, we have graduates that are now on boards of local nonprofits. They are showing up to different meetings that they weren't showing up to before. They are getting their chamber memberships and being active in the community. Those are some of those like, we hope that happens. Those aren't like, we must make it happen because that's a personal choice that the business owner has to make. So that's what we look at when we think about success. But 50 out of 56 is, is much higher odds than I think probably when we look at sort of the conventional wisdom of the failure rate of, of small businesses uh, that you're, you're well ahead of the curve. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we see a demand for, for, we have a lot of applicants, so there's good demand there, but then also like, it's been wonderful having this sort of program because we're able to do a lot of referrals. We get asked all the time, do you have a caterer? Do you have a marketing agency? Mm -hmm. And our first go-to is, well, who went through our program, right? Mm-hmm. And so not that the, we are responsible for their success wholly at, by any means. That's why it's wonderful that we have the ecosystem we do because other partners come alongside, right? And they they get to work with these businesses. And I even think about one, and I won't share who it is because he's in a, a process right now, but it was pretty incredible. A couple months ago, I was visiting a place and uh, the gentleman was in our first cohort of Hustle. And he said, close your eyes. I said, okay. okay." And we're in a bar, just to set stage. And I opened them and he has plans to redevelop the entire building that he owns that his bar and restaurant is in. And he said, I had this vision when I did Hustle and, you know, four years later, I'm bringing it to life. And that is just incredible to me that he's able to not only redevelop a whole building, he's going to employ more people. He's going to bring more amenities to our region. That is, that's a win for sure. Okay. So you've talked a little bit, you've talked a number of times about sort of that ecosystem. Uh, And I think that's one of the, uh, I think, challenges that we often talk about, at least for the state of Indiana, that sometimes that entrepreneurial support system ecosystem is perhaps lacking or doesn't have perhaps everything we need in the state. What's your observation of that? I mean, and again, I think there are a number of things because of the the university system that's sort of in your backyard that is a bigger difference. But if you could wave a wand and make something happen that would make your job or that entrepreneurial support system flourish better, what would you add? What would you like to see? So a couple things. And um Uh, We're working on both of these things, actually, right now. So the wand is being waved with a little work behind it. (laughs) Uh, So one, there are studies, there's research, and we're doing some work right now with the state of Indiana, with the IEDC, healthcare. So healthcare is not only expensive for employers, it is 
inhibiting for entrepreneurs to even consider starting up. And so we're looking at, and by looking at, I mean, doing deep research and preparing a playbook around healthcare for entrepreneurs. What does that look like? There are, you know, organizations and associations and this sort of thing, but a lot of them have criteria to get engaged with that. So we believe there are a lot of latent entrepreneurs that, but not for healthcare, they would be running a business or trying to run a business. So that would help with accessibility. The other so, piece- so let, Wait a minute, let me clarify. So you're talking about the healthcare for, for the individual entrepreneur, right? right? Okay. And so let me make this connection back there. So that, so part of what you what I'm hearing is that I would be very interested maybe in starting a business, but I don't want to leave this employer because then I lose my health care. But if I could solve that problem, then I would feel more comfortable about going out on my own. Is that that's right? Barrier? Okay. I want yep. to make sure I I was understanding that clearly. Okay. Now yep. and then yep. moving on. Yeah, and, and just one other note on that is the startup genome research that the state of Indiana worked with startup genome on this, that came out very prominently in that report as well. And regardless of type of entrepreneur, regardless of type of business, that is a challenge. And so that's one thing we're trying to solve and open if anybody knows of solutions, send them my way, please. Uh, the other is some of that twofold some of the riskier capital when it comes to innovation-driven companies. So traditionally, there aren't a lot of physical assets to, for a bank to say, yes, let me loan money because I can get back in the equipment. That, that's not a reality for, for venture-backable firms. Mm -hmm. And so we have a great partnership with Elevate Ventures, and we're also looking at pre-revenue, what are the funds available for startups? And how might we get more of that angel investing in our region? So that tied to how might we educate angel investors in our region so they know it's accessible. You don't have to have a million dollars to be an angel investor. A couple thousand dollars go a long way. And even when you think of more of the, the brick and mortar businesses, the more localized businesses, what are the funding mechanisms to support them? And so I mentioned a few things that we're looking at. And, and we were talking a bit about you know friends and family. That's typically where folks go. Well, predominantly in minority um, businesses, the friends and family network isn't as strong when it comes to being able to lend resources. And so thinking about what could a fund look like around that, like to be your friend and family. So I think kind of a twofold on the financials and the healthcare, I will say from a technical assistance and support perspective, Indiana has great support organizations when it comes to entrepreneurship and with their new tool, the Connect IND, that's a, a great, we've been a big part of that. We're championing that. We're going to have an event here in the region for that. Awesome resource. And, and then even in our region, again, we have great mentors. We've got great organizations. It is those more of those hard, tangible things of I have to pay for healthcare and I need money. So mm -hmm. those are those are our two pieces I think that we need more of. Yeah, uh, I'll be talking uh, next week, doing a podcast with folks at IEDC. And one of the things we'll be talking about is Connect IND. And as I told you, uh, I think on one of our conversations, the first time I clicked on the website for Connect IND, the first thing, first person you see is why it's Bethany Hartley. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. So, so, yeah. so that was fun that, you know, that I was able to make that connection because of the conversations we've been having. 
So as we finish up, so what else uh, would you like to share about the the challenges and opportunities facing your program or just entrepreneurs in general as you're working with them? What haven't we touched upon? Yeah, I think um, it's the it's common not only again for the the solopreneur, micro entrepreneur, new entrepreneur, but also the more established businesses is the talent. We need talent. And again, the state's looking at this, the region's always looking at this, especially on the venture backable firms, the innovation driven firms, the talent needed to whether it's operating the business, running as the CEO or the COO for those businesses that that's more on the side of there's been research developed at one of our higher eds and they're now commercializing. So that's a unique type of talent. And then within Main Street businesses, it's it's how do we get the talent that they need that are making a great wage, have access to those benefits and those sorts of things. And so I think that continues to be a part of our conversation and we continue to try new strategies around that as a region. I think for us, as we look forward, we're looking at alumni programming. You know, we have a good group of almost 60 folks. They are hungry to just even just go grab a drink with one another and catch up. And so building out a lot of that as well. That's one of the things that I think I I did want to ask about. So how important is it that you have begun to build that network and, and, and maybe even approaching sort of critical mass? Because I know from talking to other entrepreneurial support organizations around the country, you know, they talk about how critical it is that you have that network of entrepreneurs who can in some way almost protect one another. And and what I mean by that is it's so easy when you are sort of in the out in the mainstream for people to look at you and say, oh gosh, what you're doing is so scary and I could never do that. And and uh, what if you fail? And then mm-hmm. you have that network of people who are saying, you know, well, you know, what you're doing is good and let's talk about it. And they're there supporting that, lowering the cost of failure. So have you reached part of that critical mass, do you think, in the South Bend Elkhart region? I think so. Yes. And I think, um, you know, it's, the odds are stacked up against anybody starting a business, right? Just like that failure is very real. And as you alluded to, the data points are there to to back that. And so we've heard over and over again, that peer network is so important. And we have one network with our graduates. We also, like I've mentioned, have these other Mm -hmm. programs. So bringing all those graduates together um, and actually tying back to the video you referenced on the, on the website That's from our annual event we started two years ago called Founder Factory that we host during Global Entrepreneurship Week in November. And that started out of everybody missed everyone. Everybody missed seeing one another and the, the, you know, the energy that comes with like, oh, what are you struggling with? Here's what I'm struggling with. So that was the, the thrust of it was like, let's all get together and celebrate that you're still here. We're still moving forward. The region's on on an upward tick, and um, so it is. It is so critical. And I think for us, we I don't see us doing like structured. We're going to talk about healthcare with our alumni only. Those are the sort of things we do with all entrepreneurs in the region. So this will be more of that network cohesion referral kind of base that we'll work with our alums on. I think it would be fun sometime to be able to do this. 
podcast or a webinar and look at some of those support organizations and how that network in uh, the South Bend Elkhart region, how that is is beginning to blossom and and those connection points are being made. So let's kind of have that on the on the horizon of something that we might do because I think you're doing some remarkable work up there. And it shows every time I, I come up into to the to the region, you can see the vibrancy that's really beginning to grow up there. So congratulations to you and all of your colleagues up there in terms of what you're able to do. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. There's been a lot of very strong leaders in this region far before me and far long after me. So it's it's a wonderful collaboration we have here. Well, I appreciate that. So, Bethany Hartley, thank you so much for taking time to me to talk to me today. I've been talking with Bethany Hartley, the president and CEO of the South Bend Elkhart Regional Partnership. We've been talking about the Hustle SBE program and a few other things in terms of just the entrepreneurial activity and support that's happening in that region. So, again, Bethany, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. All content on this podcast is copyright 2023 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, which retains all rights to this content. And by the way, the theme music was composed and performed by me, Lee Llewellyn. Thanks.